has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Well, you wonder why I always dress in black. Why you never see bright colors on my back. And why does my appearance seem to have a somber tone? Well, there's a reason for the things that I have on. I wear the black for the poor and the beaten down. Living in the hopeless, hungry side of town. I wear it for the prisoner who is long... Welcome to the world-famous God Whispers. I am Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirla. You... You're who? Bill Swirla, otherwise known by my uh, my 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 sp- my American spiritual name, he who irritates people. Did you feel that you weren't quite annoying enough without adding a delusional sense of grandeur? Because I promise you, you are annoying enough. In fact, you're the number one contender for the middleweight annoyance crown. There you go. <laughs> who was that? <laughs> from Scrubs. Oh, yeah. The show Scrubs. Scrubs. That was a great show. I, I'm going to have to binge watch that one. That, 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 that's a great show. But I have to wait for the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs to end. No, no TV other than than hockey right now. Oh, no, my. You're, you're caught up in the frenzy, are you? I love hockey. The, it is it is the, the sport of kings right there. It's just beautiful. Well, your L.A. Kings are out there. But, it is. Uh, you, aren't, I, you aren't a big fan of them, are you? Uh, I beg your pardon. <laughs> well, you're a Chicago guy. Well, you know, I, I can develop a rooting interest in almost any playoff series for, you, you know, sensible and unsensible reasons. But uh, I, I'm, I'm looking pretty good right now because we've got the, the Ducks and the Kings, two local teams, head-to-head. And, yeah. uh, and the Blackhawks are, are in the thick of it, too. And so somebody's going to emerge that's good. But I, I, the Kings are a great team. I, I, I really enjoy the Kings. They, they, cool. used, they were the team of the great Wayne Gretzky. They were indeed. The I, great, I used to go to those games. The gra- you, went, you, you saw the great one in person? I did indeed. Awesome. No, this they, is one of the benefits of growing up in Southern California. Yeah, so well, and you were there. to uh, see, see uh, pitchers like Nolan Ryan and hockey players like Wayne Gretzky. You, you were there before the 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 uh, mighty ducks, <laughs> a, a, a movie first, and then a, well, then a team. <laughs> there there was a lot of eye rolling going on when that team started up, yeah. and then all of a sudden they started actually playing well. And who saw that coming? No, that, that's true. They, that well, ducks, and nobody nobody saw them being the ones to get the Stanley Cup first. Yeah, it was an awkward yeah, it moment. Is. It was it was like when the White Sox won the World Series in Chicago, and everybody just kind of looked at each other and say, "Okay, well that's good, but that wasn't the Cubs," and so it was kind of awkward. But anyway, who, who are your who are your picks for the Stanley Cup this year? Oh, I don't have picks. I just kind of I, I don't I don't do that. I I I don't because hockey, as the first round of the playoffs demonstrates, uh, no lead is safe. 
and uh, no team is is unbeatable. So you you just you just watch it transpire. But I see a lot of good potential matchups occurring for the Cup, including some legacy teams. You've got the Rangers, you've got Boston, you have Montreal. Um, I'm a little conflicted there because. Montreal bumped off the Blackhawks when I was a kid back in 1967. Games, six games, Stanley Cup finals. I still remember this. Um, I'd like to consult with our Canadian listeners as to whether Montreal is okay or not for them because most of them mm. are Western Canada. And uh, do they root for Montreal or do they just sit quietly and watch the game? I, I don't know. But- do you think that it's fair? To say that the quality or or let's say the caliber of the hockey club is inversely related to the number of teeth they have in total. <laughs> I, I have I have seen, not personally, but I've watched on TV, some guy spit out about four teeth into his glove, <laughs> hand them to the trainer, and finish his shift. Okay, now I, that I, that's a hockey player. Baseball player, hangnail, out for six weeks. Look, any any God whispers fans out there listeners that that are are weird enough to listen to us <laughs> you're maybe weird enough to actually do the homework and let us know if the number of teeth are related to the quality of the club they seem I, to have I, they we, seem I, to have I, more I'm teeth handing out homework they seem to have more teeth in their head than when i was a kid they all wear a mouth guard now and they they got to wear helmets and they wear well, a face with, shield. Uh, you know, I, I remember the day when not even goalies wore face masks. Now that was ugly. That was that was that was bad. That that was real bad. <laughs> that's not good. No, that, that's just no, no. Not so, a good some thing. some things have actually improved over the years. Goalie safety is one of them. <laughs> Youch. Oh man. Uh, 626-593-7713 is the Manly Doctors hotline, which also spells Manly Doctors 13. Hey, Will Whedon just walked out the door and he didn't even wave. Shame on him. Oh, well, uh, okay, you've been snubbed. I, I'm in the fishbowl and he didn't even wave to me. <laughs> they're, they're pretending you're not even there. I am telling you. You're, you're like that blemish on the wall. You know, at some point you don't see it anymore. <laughs> Just walk right by it. Don't look at the animal in the tank. Right. Don't make eye contact. <laughs> Denial. They're, de- they're denying you exist. You um, know, we have speakers just outside the studio here. I need to be sure to turn them up. Yes. Uh, just before the Especially during this show. That, yeah. I think, I think that speaking of hockey fights, um, I, I really wish that theology would, would be much more like a hockey fight. You know, these guys duke it out. And it looks like almost like prearranged because all of a sudden the action stops. They drop their gloves. They duke it out. The refs let them fight, which is really cool. And then and then they go they go to a penalty box like timeout to think about what they did for two minutes or if they really fought five minutes. And then it's back. They're back at it. You know this is this is how it should be. Go I, I, go sit by yourself and think about what you did. And then get back in the game again. <laughs> I'm going to brainstorm throughout this entire program of hockey players versus theologians. Number one, I have on my list right now, yeah. hockey players bleed, theologians cry. <laughs> it's number one. 
<laughs> you, you'd never see a theologian spit out five teeth, hand them to the trainer, and finish the shift. That's all I can say. Enough said. I've uh, never heard a hockey player scream, I'm offended. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> that, would, <laughs> that would guarantee a pummeling. You know, at some point, <laughs> at, at some point, there would just be a pummeling. And that's, and that's when your teeth get removed from the other end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's like putting a target on your back at that point. Yeah, offense is not... The, the only thing, the, the, there, there's an offense and a defense, but one is never offended. That, that just doesn't, the, you know, if, if you take umbrage, a high stick usually will take care of matters quite nicely. So, and you get yeah. two minutes to think about what you did. Unless you, well, drew, unless you draw blood, then you get four minutes and well, a, a goal doesn't spring you. Yeah, but, you know, you <laughs> could... You could totally kidney shot someone and they won't know that they're bleeding until later that evening yeah so, external bleeding internal bleeding yeah. is not monitored by the referee so <laughs> uh the the uh the mothership uh the 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 source of all things god whispers is godwhispers.org and our our email address is godwhispers at gmail.com so we love your email uh you want to you want to just kind of go straight to email Sure. Uh, so let's go to the mailbag. The God Whispers mailbag brought to you by Dental Implants. Get your dental implants after you play hockey. All right. See the fine print. Let's see. Let's see what we've got here in the mailbag. A um, couple of warnings. I'm just going to summarize these if that's okay. Because they're long? or No, because... just because they're the same topic. Uh, Mark and Stephen Y., and uh, and and a few others are writing just to say that our warnings about binge listening are true. Okay. And, and apparently, from experience, listening to more than two in a row could result in some mental difficulties. They do go away over time, but but again, we warn you: do not binge listen to the God Whispers. May cause bleeding to the ears. <laughs> Moving on. Let's see. Um, what happened to... I had... Uh, uh, Ginny writes, um, where are your women? Mine's at home. Where's yours? At home? Uh, except well, for they are. Except for a deaconess interview now and then. I don't hear them there. No female host. That's not true. You have a female host, don't you? Not, on, in, the G, on, not in the GW. Yeah, we got Lori Lewis. She's the GW diva, but she also she, is she, on the air here. She's the official diva of the GW. Sure. I, I was on her show yesterday. It was fun. fun show. She's a riot. No recurring guests. We don't have recurring guests. We don't do that. We have period. recurring nightmares. We have recurring voices in our heads, but we don't have recurring guests. Uh, is Lutheran Radio by Pastors for Pastors what KFUO is aiming for? Craig, that's really a question addressed to you. Well, are, are you not a God by Pastors for, for Pastors? Seems like they're missing a big chunk of their market to me. Um, hmm. Yeah, th- this is an ongoing dilemma of... Uh, Finding women who are willing and able to uh, come on the air for free all the time, every day, uh, who are theologically smart enough to uh, pull it off, because we do have some very well-educated women. I, you know, our friend Sandra is, is uh, I'd put her up against most pastors in her, uh, in her knowledge. But uh, no, the, the problem is we're just having a hard time finding women who are interested in doing this, really, that have the chops and everything. Uh, 
I'm pursuing a new avenue personally that uh, there's <laughs> there's there's a problem. Uh, well, it's not a problem really, but a lot of uh, a lot of women will go to one of our seminaries to become a deaconess, and along the line, they get their MRS degree. And then their husband gets a call, and they go with their husband, and and they never actually work as a deaconess. So we have, I guess, quite a few women with their masters in theology from our seminaries. They're very bright, very sharp, uh, who are going to the parish with their husbands and not not being deaconesses. So I'm hoping that some of those might be moving to the St. Louis area, and we might be able to tap into them. So 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 Ginny continues. Ginny Dreadful, doesn't that sound like a punk rocker or something? Yeah, That's not her real name. Oh, oh, Is that a real name? You think that? Yeah, that could be a contrived name. I um, want to change my name to Dreadful because that, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's rock and roll right there. There are two that's major... right up there with uh, Tim Steele. There, there's another one. That, she, uh, she continues to write, there are two major things we do already in our synod that could be used to reach more women, to retain the women who are already with us, and to help women use their spiritual gifts. One of these days, Craig, we're going to have to talk about spiritual gifts. I just got through... 1 Corinthians 12 with my women's Bible study today. One of them is radio and the other is publishing, but we don't publish fiction, which is what most women read. And we don't use our radio shows to address women in a positive way. Uh, please understand. Lutheran romance novels. Ugh. That, Lutheran romance novels. Oh, that, that's dreadful just thinking about it. I, I, I couldn't, no, I, I can't go there. I, no. No, no, I think uh, I think we need uh, Jim Nestingen to edit those. Oh, okay, his, all right. Let's <laughs> make awake. Let's let's <laughs> let's put let's put Jim in charge. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I I think I think Nestingen as editor in chief of Lutheran romance novels would be. It's a it's 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 a it's a lifelong hostility with occasional moments of love and passion. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. All right, we we, we love it. Um, no, that, that's. Uh, please understand, I'm not asking women to feminize the church or ordain women or to yes, have more. Uh, I Let's beg the difference. Reality, you are the church is the church a is a feminine. Is. First of all, it's a feminine noun. It's the bride of Christ. Everything about the church is feminine. Uh, what we don't want to do is femini- feminize the ministry. That's masculine. Um, or to have more women's groups. In fact, I can't believe the CPA just put another... Uh, women, oh, I probably shouldn't say that. No, women's Bible say with pretty flowers on the cover. Okay, so she's not a pretty flowers kind of person, okay? How come they don't have men's Bible studies with, like, race cars or... Guns. Uh, machine guns. Yeah. Guns, yeah. <laughs> like Chicks with a, in swimsuits. With a, with a clip. Yeah. <laughs> 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 or what's that, what's, that big, what's that big machine gun that uh, Anthony Bourdain fired off at Ted Nugent's place? Uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's like, like the largest machine beast. gun. Yeah. It's the largest machine gun that a man can hold. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Bourdain fires it off, declaring that was strangely satisfying. <laughs> but uh you know i it uh, uh Ginny's letter uh, reminds me um and i don't know whether you went to this pastor's conference or not but it was a few years ago um in the pacific southwest district i i do recall i think we were in arizona at the time uh which you always came along because we could shoot guns off in arizona <laughs> but Nevada. Uh, Nevada. no no arizona we were in arizona we went to i don't think i went to any in arizona you didn't you didn't go to the gun club with us you know while no, the other I miss that while one. all the other uh pastors were out golfing you know the golf tournament we, we went I did to that in las vegas we went to the gun club was that in vegas i i 
Oh man, I, I know. I went to one in Vegas. Wow, uh, the, the 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 deep cloud that settles over yeah, pastors' you're, conference. You're getting old. Yeah, I am. I am. But 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 uh, I, I do recall that uh, there was a, a female speaker at one of our pastors' conferences who was a professor of church history, uh, and she was Eastern Ooh. Orthodox. Um, and 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 did a, a remarkable, remarkable job uh, charting the history of closed communion from an Orthodox uh, perspective, uh, looking at the early centuries of the church. Kind of, she kind of did an Eastern version of the Werner Ehlert uh, book, Eucharist and Church Fellowship in the first four centuries, and it was it was fascinating and it, w- it was really well done. Uh, my point here is you you have you have uh, somebody in a in a clear position of 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 teaching and 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 that uh within a communion the orthodox church that that he will never have female priests or anything like that but but they do uh give a high regard to their educated women and and that, and that that's, i think that's always that's always a challenge and something that uh needs to be looked at Here, here's a good one because i think you and i agree on this one a lot of people have a lot of consternation over women teaching bible studies like for a Bible class in a church or something like that, uh, and and instructing men. Now, I know some women who are fantastic Greek scholars. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that wrong for a woman to teach a Bible class to men in the church? I mean, is, are you asking that rhetorically or are you asking me? I'm asking you. Are you asking me if, if I think it's wrong? Um, I'm going to give you an equivocal, it sort of depends um, I, it depends how it's perceived. I think I have been. Let me let me f- fill that out a little bit. I I've been a member of congregations, um, of a, of congregations that that have a lot of educated, uh, you know, highly educated people, PhDs, the whole deal, um, who would draw a very sharp distinction between what goes on in worship from the pulpit, uh, preaching and presiding, and Bible study, where one draws upon the expertise of whomever has that expertise, regardless of what sex they are, you know? And I I have also been in other contexts where people would have difficulty with that. Uh, I'm not suggesting they're less educated. I'm just su- suggesting that that in some contexts that may be seen as uh, a uniquely pastoral function to teach the Bible class. In other congregations, it might be seen much more the way one would take a course at the local community college or something. You know, uh, it, it really depends what the place of that Bible class study is in the overall life of the congregation. So it's kind of a contextual answer. You know, it's kind of funny in the heads of some people, if it happens on a Sunday morning, it's wrong. Oh, yeah. If it happens on a Tuesday <laughs> evening, well, that's okay. See, I, I have, uh, first of all, I didn't grow up with Bible study as, as really part of congregational life. Uh, we, right. did, we didn't have it. Once you kind of graduated from Sunday school, i.e. you were confirmed, you didn't have to do that stuff anymore. <laughs> uh, we, we, did, we did go to church faithfully every Sunday. We listened and the to the church sermon. has been suffering ever since that attitude. Yeah, but, uh, well, yeah, but, but, but uh, no, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the life or Lutheran approach. But, but 
uh, but Bible study has become more of a, a, a modern expectation that not only is it, and, and it's a good one. I, I don't think a sermon can cover everything. Um, but in the places that I've been at that have had good Bible studies, they've drawn on expertise. So we would have, I, I remember one place that I went to, they, there were college professors, people who were teaching um, at the university who were members of the congregation who uh, taught uh, Bible studies within within their range of experience. And I, I think you're missing out if you don't uh, take full advantage of the gifts that uh, God gathers in your congregation. I yeah I mean I I I would agree with that last statement in particular that if you happen to have a woman in your church who is amazingly brilliant with these things and you say no 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 you're a woman you can't talk about this uh, you're robbing yourself on that one yeah, I, I would also point out, I'm just going back to KFUO, that uh, Lori Lewis is a gem. I mean, I, that, that, that's a, it's a great show, a great concept that she's working, you know, the Christ and culture thing. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and, and I think that's kind of a, that's a good sort of first start uh, toward, toward uh, getting, getting more of our women into the conversation. Uh, radio is certainly, <laughs> radio is not the same as, as, uh, as uh, preaching and presiding you know, no, in the divine no. service. It's radio, I, I, you know. I'd also throw this out uh, to our listeners, is that um, if you listen to talk radio in general, there aren't a whole lot of female voices out there. Um, you know, that's, most, that's true. Most of your talk radio stations might have a woman uh, voice and and uh, especially since Dr. Laura went off the air, it's even more rare. Uh, there just aren't that many women in talk radio. Is that and, uh, so? You're saying it's actually a, a media driven thing. It's it's not necessarily a, a, a predilection of the LCMS or theology, but but it's it. I agree with you. I listen to a lot of talk radio in the car, yeah. and uh, they'll sometimes have female. Uh, the the partner a male and female voice uh, on talk that's becoming very common to have sort of a yeah, female yeah. sidekick, yeah. but not as the lead person though. And you know we we are actively seeking uh, at least one good female voice for KFUO beyond Lori. You so. have to you have to have a good voice for radio. We, we had a gal who was doing uh, the uh, Faith and Family before Andy Bates came on, and she got a better job. She got a job uh. in television. So, oh, TV. Uh, well, you know, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a big trade up. Plus, if you're like in like 45 minutes and she got a local job where she lives. And, and then if you look like you and me, um, you know, we're made for radio. I TV is not a threat with <laughs> I am a devilish, devilishly handsome man on, on radio. radio. <laughs> now, now, Ellie's got a great voice for radio. She's she's got that. There's that there's that, that there's a there's a real pleasant sort of undertone to her voice that I, I think works really well. And, and she's she's uh, theologically trained, too. You got to give her a show. Well, I would, but she's very angry all the time, and I don't know about that. Well, that's okay. I, I, <laughs> isn't talk radio mostly about anger? She just likes to play that game. That's uh, <laughs> oh, I've got a gem for you here. Uh, you yeah, don't. You don't yeah, have. You don't have this one. How much time do we have? Uh, about two and a half minutes. Perfect. Break. Okay, so so a buddy of mine. Uh, sends me, I, I'm going to keep this kind of in the nebulous anonymous thing, Send, sends me an email uh, knowing a little bit about, you know, the fact that I grew up in Chicago and, and, uh, and grew up Lutheran and that. And when we were kids in our youth group, they always took us every summer to a wall camp, which was a, it's a camp that was built and started by the uh, Walther League back in the 60s. 
Oh, I was thinking that it was Walmart or something. No, like no, that. no, no, no. This is before okay. Walmart. This, it's, it's, it's for Walther, as in CFW, as in Walther League. But, but it's, it's, uh, it's set on the uh, Kishwaukee River. Um, and is that what it is? Really? I'm looking at the thing right now. But, but um, and, and uh, they've put together a celebration video on YouTube for their 50th anniversary. Okay, so I'm, I, this is a big setup here. But here's, here's the deal now. And, and I haven't, I've got to study this video because I'm certain I'm in one of these things. Because they've taken video from the 70s. Uh, and, and they've set it to music. Okay, so, but here's, here's, what interests, here's what, what's of interest to the God Whispers. And I've moved ahead now to 40 seconds into this. And, and I'm just going to play it. So you ready to go? All right. Here we go. That's right. That, that is not actually in there. It is. You you put no, that in. There. No, that no, is not actually. No there. special effects were used. <laughs> I, I the, it it is right there. It's right there at an outdoor service at Wall Camp and Sunseed. Jesus is a friend of mine. It doesn't get better than that, that's, Craig. That's just messed up. The right God there. Whisperers <laughs> endorse that. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got to, I've got to study that. No, go look at it. It's it's Wall Camp 50th anniversary official official video. And uh, but I know that in, in amongst the 70s footage, there's got to be one of me and and my youth group in there somewhere. Well, we're gonna take a break. We'll be back after a little Louis Prima and some commercials. Though it's hard for us to whisper, gotten so out of hand he may even have to be put down god is not the problem here the problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack we reintroduce god we retrain people you're listening to the god whispers we just had to do that we had to we couldn't resist <laughs> you, you know that that uh that tune by Coldplay is really catchy i i'm thinking we should use that as as our our new intro music what, what do you think hmm. That's you know what that's a great song. I think that would be a good one. Uh, no, I, I I like it. It's 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 um because <laughs> our our 
uh, you know, our normal intro thing is getting a little worn after all these years, and and we we've been talking about doing a new one anyway. And and so, what do you what do you think of using what do you think of using Coldplay for? Yeah, it's I I don't I don't know. It's, it's it's catchy. It's, it's an that's interesting a, idea. That's a catchy tune. We should ask our our listeners what they think about us using this for uh, for our intro. <laughs> I, th- I think it's pretty catchy. Especially the Lemker edition like this. Well, yeah, the genius of, of Chris Lemker on the mighty Swirlitzer just, just does it full justice, I think. But I, I don't think you could go wrong with something like that. I, I think that's a fine idea. We should do that. Our, our, uh, our good friend and, and philosopher, <laughs> uh, Steve Moe. Steve Moe. That's XOXO Steve Moe. He is possibly the greatest philosopher of our generation. Uh, he writes, uh, I don't know which show, is the recent show, the show on memes and the third use of the law. Uh, he writes, finally, someone with a bit of authority speaking out concerning the third use of the law. I've been saying that what you said on the show for a while, and I get looks from people like I'm the crazy one. Well, he is, but not for that. Uh, just about every Lutheran pastor that I hear turns to Rome or Geneva when they begin to talk about the third use. Gospel imperative indeed, as if Jesus died so that I could get Holy Spirit juice so that I might obey the speed limit or do my taxes honestly. Certainly non-Christians aren't able to do these things. <laughs> uh, the law kills. My dying thyroid and ruptured fifth lumbar will attest to that fact. Steve's not a, he's not in, he's not a well man. His he, thyroid is dying and his fifth lumbar is ruptured. He's a thin guy, but he has more of the problems that big guys have than yeah. I do. See, and it's, that it's weird. Uh, but but that should be a source of great comfort to all out of shape men everywhere. That it doesn't matter. I mean, Steve, Steve is rail thin, and well, and, and he's you, falling apart. It's it's not like he's a physical fitness buff either, though. So good point. You know, I'm, I'm just saying the way I describe it is as thus the third use of the law is like a soft, fluffy pillow that the new man presses down over the face of the old Adam in order to suffocate him <laughs> as the old Adam thrashes about in protest. The new man consoles him saying, shh, die quietly. Now we both know that this has to happen. It's all going <laughs> to be OK. It's, it's 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 a little bit like an Alfred Hitchcock version of the third use of the law, isn't it? You know, the 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 snuff version. Well, I, I like where he's going here. <laughs> I, I want to see where he ends up. Well, I, you know, he Steve makes a great point. Um, you know, first of all, uh, Paul himself says in First Timothy that the law is not meant for the righteous. But the law is meant is is addressed and meant for the ungodly. So so the law never addresses the new man in Christ, but the law certainly addresses the old Adam. And I'm starting to think more and more that the three uses of the law are just three different ways that the law addresses the old Adam. <laughs> you know, so first use of the law is keep the old Adam in line, damage control. Kind of, you know, keep you in the right lane on the freeway, keep you from running over pedestrians, keep you from mayhem and anarchy and whatever else the old Adam wants to cook up. First use. Uh, second use is, is what our confessions call the spiritual use of the law, where Christ actually takes the law and does like a good physician, kind of goes from the external symptoms, our sins, and says, uh-oh, this is your condition, sinner, mm-hmm. you know. No fear, love, trust in God above all things in the heart. And not only that, concupiscence, original sin, 
a heart bent to evil. So it's, it's, it, the second use is, is the deep diagnosis of the old Adam. This isn't just a superficial problem. It's not like you have problems. You are the problem. I mean, you know, you're, it's, just, it's not just a sort of a corruption. It's a total corruption. And then the third use of the law that everybody likes to talk about is the spirit comes in and says to the new man, okay, now kill him. I've, I've, I've declared him dead in baptism. Now drown him every day. And, and so, so it's that, that war within. So the third use of the law is, the, is actually the killing use. That, that's the one that actually kills the old Adam because now he can't do what he wants anymore. I, I can't really argue or disagree. I, hey, I think we've just solved a whole bunch of problems right there. I, thanks I to, think, thanks uh, to Steve Moe, XOXO Steve Moe. And, so uh, <laughs> I guess so, so we don't believe in the third use of the law anymore? Of course that, we do. Oh, okay. Of course we do. But, but you know, it, it's, I do. it's I actually forgot. the killing one. The first <laughs> use doesn't kill you. It just curbs you. No, the second right. use doesn't kill you. It just diagnoses you. Not just, but I mean, diagnose it. Does the, de- the third use kills. I, d- I do like that pillow analogy, though. He, he has a gift for these sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Steve, 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 he's the master of the metaphor. The, the, he is the analogy guru. Um, yeah, it, it's a good one. It, but that's kind of a mercy killing, I, which, you know, you know. There you have it. I don't, it's, uh, the old Adam needs to be killed. Uh, daily drowned not, and die, says the catechism. Not so much mercifully, but more of just uh, holding the head under the water kind of thing while it thrashes. But, you know, it is mercy in the end. because sure. Because without death, there is no resurrection. Direction. Unless the old Adam died, you know he must. Uh, he must de- nervous. He must decrease. Christ must increase. There's just no. There's no way around this. There, no, this is this is good. Well, I like it, it. It's it's like then any death is a mercy killing if you look at it that way, and that gets nervous. The what? And that gets me nervous. The what? If if you look at it that way, then isn't pretty much any death a mercy killing? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his children. Blessed are those who die in the Lord henceforth. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit. I'm afraid that you're giving some some weirdo in a hospice an excuse to do something bad here. Oh, yeah. It always goes down that road. But, but, but... (laughs) But you know, uh, misuse. Hey, consider our listeners, man. Misuse doesn't negate that. right use here, and uh, and and we're not we're not talking. Uh, what what is the true mortification of the flesh? It's not suicide. It's basically saying no to the lusts and desires of the old Adam. The lusts and desires are always going to be there. That's what Jesus nails every male hearer when he says, just even looking is adultery. So he's got them nailed at the lusts and desires. But acting on it, that's the mortification, or not acting on it, that's the mortification of the old Adam. That's how sin is put to death in the flesh, by not acting on it. That's what Paul means when he says, put to death the lusts of, of, of the sinful nature. Mortify the sinful flesh. So Nancy Reagan had it right. It was just say no. Just say no. But that's that's. But you don't end there. You don't end there because because you 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 are also saying yes to who you are in Christ. Well, that's so who you are. Where there's a death, there's a resurrection. You're you're yeah. You're not only dead to sin. You're alive to God in Christ. And that's that's the big that's that's the big stuff. But yeah, it was just this this insight that. And so let's put it this way, Craig. Th- there's no sort of polite third use of the law. There's no sort of third use of the law that says, okay, now now this isn't gonna this isn't gonna hurt you at all. This is this is instruction. This is this is gonna you're gonna you're gonna feel better about this now. No, you won't. The old Adam's gonna go kicking and screaming the whole way. <laughs> Hates it. 
The law is a taskmaster. It is. Always Just accusing. There. Always accusing and killing. I, I think this is right in line with Article 6 of the Solid Declaration and the epitome, uh, which talks about the whole reason we have this use is the old Adam clings to us. Like, what's that famous phrase? A recalcitrant ass. <laughs> If I didn't have a book of Concord for any, anything but that phrase, that would be worth keeping right there. Recalcitrant ass. <laughs> I want to use that there, in a voters. I want to use that in a voters meeting sometime. You know, somebody gets out of line. You recalcitrant ass. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work for you. <laughs> it could go badly. <laughs> oh, moving on. We want to move on. Moving. Well, I have uh, my hockey players versus theologians. Okay. What well, do you got? Hockey, something? hockey players high stick, theologians post on Facebook. <laughs> That's it. I don't know. Hey, um, Supreme Court. Oh, wait. Let's find this one. Yes. Approves sectarian prayer at public meetings, says the headline. Right. Five to four. You know, five to four, using the hockey analogy, is like um, a shootout victory. Everybody gets to claim a point. More or less. You know, five to four. That doesn't, that, it's just basically, okay, you win, but the other side doesn't lose either. They had a point. You know, what's going on with the Supreme Court when the wishy-washy guy has all the power? You ever notice that? Or Kennedy? Kennedy's kind of the wishy-washy guy. Well, wish- he's kind of the well. I could go this way or I could go that way. I could, and so everybody kisses up to Kennedy because he's the wishy-washy guy. See, I want. I, I I always want to be that guy <laughs> because the other guys are predictable. Okay, they're in this one camp or this other camp, but it's the third rail guys that you don't know where they're he's, coming from. He's unpredictable and squirrely. You don't know what to do with this yeah. guy. No, but that's but that's what makes him the swing guy because everything else is stalemated. You know, it was up to Scalia and Sotomayor. It, it, it's just you know, it's a stalemate. That's it. We're done. But you get the guys who are just not following any particular line. You never know where they're going to go. But but he ended up in the fi- the the five to four majority on this one. He, he should just abstain. That would be that would so. Be so you're disagreeing that that uh, that uh, you you are free to deliver what they call a sectarian prayer, which you know in our parlance <laughs> would be a, a prayer that mentions the name Jesus. Say you're against that. What's the point? <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, what's the point? It's it's a uh, you're gathering for a civic meeting uh, amongst people who may or may not be believers. What's the point? I think I mean, Ken- besides besides bugging people, what's the point? I think Kennedy Kennedy makes a really good statement here without saying a lot, which I guess is why he is where he is. But to hold that invocations must be non-sectarian would force the legislatures sponsoring prayers and the courts deciding these cases to act as supervisors and censors of religious speech. That's absolutely right. Well, yeah, but then, absolutely he goes, right. then he goes on, though, to, to basically say, well, if it's continuously sectarian and continuously uh, uh, alienating people or, or uh, you know, saying that only this group's going to heaven or that sort of thing, then that's not necessarily the case. Well, but but he's he's not leaving it in the hands of the government or the courts to decide that. 
and and but I, then the governor, the government, and the court can decide it if they deem that uh, that it's being too exclusive. See that well, and, and that's where I think the the um, the minority has an opinion, although or has a, has a point. The minority opinion has a point. Is we live in a pluralistic society. Uh, where we, I think we expect the government to represent all of us, right? And so um, how do you reconcile those two things when you have invocations that are always of a particular uh, religion? Does that, does that exclude uh, everybody else in that society who's also represented by that government? What does religion have to do with if we lay a new sewer pipe down the highway, on the side <laughs> of the highway? Yeah, it's, you know what it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's basically an ex, a part of American civil religion. It is. Uh, I, I'd be perfectly happy uh, if, uh, the, if, first of all, the churches, as we do, would pray for the government and those in authority. Absolutely. You know what? If there's, if there's a big moral issue that affects the church or something like that, gather at the church before the meeting, have a prayer vigil, stand outside and have a prayer vigil. Uh, but, but I don't understand what the point is with this. What, why do we need to open a city council meeting with a prayer, especially if we're, we're not of the same faith. Well, What's and then the how, how do you include atheists who are— a Exactly. Gr- I mean, the, the, the non-Muslims— Or Muslims or Baptists or whatever. No, no, I, I, I mean, I could, I could understand uh, Muslims or, or Jews or, or anybody, uh, you know, praying. You can uh, that you I see can, how I threw Baptists in there? <laughs> yeah, but, but atheists, what, what are they going to do? Uh, because they also represent a religious sentiment— and a growing one in the culture. So how do they get equal time? Uh, I guess they could stand up and read a little Nietzsche uh, or something before the, the legislative session begins. Or, or maybe Hume. A reading from Hume would be nice. But, but what are you going to do? So there's no prayer to offer there, and and is is this a proper Say the use pledge of, of allegiance? That's pr- that's more like you know. I mean that it, this is a state function. Do state things. Yeah, well, yeah, promise, that, that's a good point. That, uh, Pro- promise to uphold meeting, the Constitution. We'll, we'll uphold the Constitution and not plot treason. Yeah, there. I, I wouldn't mind maybe a repeat of the oath of office that you took. <laughs> there, when, yeah, when, exactly. When, when you took a the office. I, I would be all for that, that you promise to uphold and defend the Constitution. <laughs> you know, now, now go and do that. Well, that would be good. better. How about a reading from the Constitution to, so that these people might know what it is that they're supposed to be upholding? <laughs> that, that would come as a shock. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I find myself kind of on both sides of this five to four decision. I agree with the minority that this is a pluralistic society. I disagree that it's the job of government to referee that. Look, um, I agree with the major the majority, the narrow majority, that it's not the job of the government to referee this. Uh, this is something that's just got to be decided locally. Let's say, let's say you have a town that's all Christian. So who cares if 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 uh, if somebody somebody gets up and says a Christian prayer? As long as we don't get bent over some town that's that's Islamic, and uh, you know there will well, be yeah. one day there will be a town somewhere. Uh, there probably is Dearborn, it's Michigan, called Detroit. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's basically ninety nine point nine nine percent Muslim and almost under Sharia law. Uh, you know we can't complain about that either if we're going to say majority rules on this one. You know, but uh... look in Middle America, small town, we're going to vote 
on uh, if we should buy new tires for all of the city vehicles because they're getting bald. And I show up and say, no, you know, I've looked at the tread. They've got another year on them. And some imam's there. He rolls out his mat, <laughs> gets on all fours and bows to the east and starts screaming, Allahu, whatever it is. And and I'm going to stand there and look at him and say, what the heck is going on here? Yeah, it's right? it's like the it's like the prayer in public school issue, you know. It's always good until you have the person you don't agree with or like leading the prayer in public school. So it it, it passes my uh, the other guy rule. Yeah. If you're going to have a law, put it in the hands of the other guy and see if you like it. If you don't like it, you shouldn't pass that law. See, so we, we love the idea of prayer in public school until a non-Christian is leading it. And then, it's like, oh, no, you can't do that. We see this in all government, even in the church, where you have factions. And one one club says, we're going to rig it so that we have total control over everything. And then the other guy gets elected and you say, oh, wait a minute here. That wasn't quite right. You're right. It's the other guy rule. You don't want to seize power that you don't want your enemies to have also. It's a little, we missed it last week because we're not in tune, but but I think last last week when we were on, it was National Day of Prayer. Uh-oh. And, uh, yeah. and, and every, every year I go through this, it's like, why? <laughs> you know, first of all, uh, Christians, as Christians, pray daily anyway. We don't look in the calendar and say, whoa, it's National Day of Prayer. I got to pray. Uh, it's a little bit like Thanksgiving. Why? You know, we say every Sunday it is good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to God. Uh, Do we really need to have this on the civic calendar as though somehow God is impressed with the big noise that we generate nationally? Uh, I think it's in some ways it's almost a superstitious use of prayer that if we pray Mm -hmm. before the legislative uh, session begins, that somehow we'll make better decisions than if we don't. Or that somehow God will mystically guide us to uh, tax the daylights out of our citizenry well, or something, whatever. Or thinking. my Christian side is going to beat their Christian side or, or whatever. Right? Oh, yeah. Well, that I had another article. I, 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 I got rid of it. I, I can't get it back. But they were, they're talking about in sports. This is the other area where prayer goes off the rails and, and how um, religious prayer in the locker room is becoming really divisive. <laughs> because because there there was a day when you know the whole team got together huddled together held hands prayed the our father or there's some invocation some some prayer as if somehow you know god's going to influence the outcome of the, the game or something like that and uh increasingly uh coaches are basically saying you know if you're inclined to pray you know <laughs> go ahead but don't go you know don't go forming little prayer groups here because it's bad for team unity and morale and stuff like that again recognizing that this is a pluralistic society in which we live and uh i think it's true prayer is a divisive act it, it very well can be not in the we've church seen, not we've not, seen we've seen that amongst our clergy <laughs> yeah Oh no no no! Let's let's elect not to go there. <laughs> no, I'm just throwing out the general statement. You can take from that what you like, but but uh, it's true. Actually, when 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 prayer is brought into a pluralistic setting, it becomes a divisive act de facto. There's no way that you can drag prayer into a pluralistic setting and not have it cause division. Because, for example, um. I have ministerial association, local 
you know community where I live, and we've got we've got two Mormon. Uh, a Mormon ward and a Mormon stake. We have the largest Buddhist temple in North America, and somebody from the Buddhist temple says we ought to have a we ought to have a combined community Thanksgiving service. And and I look at him, I say, you got to be joking. I said, we we can't even agree on whom to pray to. What 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 are we doing having a combined Thanksgiving service? You know, with the Buddhists and Mormons and whatever else. And so when prayer is dragged into a pluralistic, it's going to be divisive. There's no way around this. We we had in Connecticut uh, the New New London Clergy Association, and I, I'd go visit on occasion. And uh, we had an Episcopalian gal that I called Father Joan. Uh, okay. Because she she was very much against any gender speech in general. She was one of those, and so I just call her father all the time. So, <laughs> but uh, uh, they insisted on praying before lunch, and Father Joan was praying, and uh, so I just kind of politely bow my head like whatever. And she says, "Dear Mother God," oh. and right there, my head jerked up, and the <laughs> rabbi across the way, his head jerked up, yeah. <laughs> and the Jews and the Lutherans were completely united for one moment. Yeah, right. It was the what the <laughs> nothing, nothing like you know nothing. It was like oil running down the beard of Aaron. There, all of a sudden, there was unit. Brothers were dwelling in unity and looking at it. this. This is the same thing that happened to me at this meeting because I look across the table and there's the ELCA pastor in town. He's looking at me i'm looking at him going what (laughs) oh brothers are dwelling in unity what a beautiful thing yeah that's 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 just a that's just a mind-boggling experience but there there is no way and that's the thing prayer is not some benign little lucky charm uh you know james says the prayer of a righteous uh, person is is powerful it avails much um i to play with prayer like this is is really to completely miss the point of of what it means to to call upon God to invoke the name of God uh the privilege to come and to speak to our dear father in heaven as dear children uh to pray to the father through the sacrificial priesthood of the son by the holy spirit you know, that you know this is this is god's gift to us and it's not just kind of thrown around like something that oh it's a good way to start a meeting let's have a prayer yeah. Well, I've talked before about uh, I got I was when I was a vicar, I was honored to be asked to give an invocation before the state legislature of Illinois. And uh, I showed up and I did it. And now I look back, I'm like, well, that was just kind of weird. I don't know. I, Especially you know, when they started putting all sorts of, you know, const- all sorts of strictures on what I can and can't say and stuff. Yeah, well, that okay. See, and that's right away. That's a recognition that right. that, that prayer in a pluralistic setting is is going to be divisive. I, I get invited to the local chamber of commerce every year, and uh, I, I like it. I get a nice lunch. I get to sit with the bigwigs, but uh, I, I'm very careful about how I pray. First of all, there's no stricture on what I say, and they've heard me enough to keep inviting me back, so they're okay with it. It's it is overtly Christian. And uh, I pray as one praying for these people. So I don't. I don't say. Um, I don't say we and us. I, I I intercede for them. So it's like a prayer that I'm making in public as a Christian in my priesthood. Uh, and so, and I always preface it with this. I, I say, you may add your amen uh, if if your faith uh, enables you to do that. 
And that's and that's it. It's a recognition. Hey, we don't share the all share the same faith. And I'm not going to assume it by saying uh, we or let us pray. Um, I just simply pray aloud, uh, interceding for the 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 city, for its businesses, for all of us. And you keep coming back. And they keep inviting me back. <laughs> Which is okay because the, the, the lunch is good and the company is fun and I've had great conversations. I get to nag the mayor uh, about the stoplights that don't work. So it's it's cool. <laughs> well, we're out of time once again. Great fun, Craig. World famous God Whisperer. And, and next do, week we've got a lot to talk about. Do, still, do so. think about that Coldplay song, would you? I'll, I will. I'll, yeah. I'll see how the Lord leads on that. <laughs> see you next week. Inquire no more, you feral beast. Good night, Dad. Bye, Mr. McKenzie. Fine, go, you've stayed your hour.